this, this, this is straight, straight, straight out of Crumpton with your host, Greg Crumpton. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Straight Out of Crumpton. I'm Tyler Kern, joined as always by Greg Crumpton himself. Greg, thanks for joining me for another episode, man. How are you doing? Man, I'm I'm doing well and excited. I've got a beautiful window. I'm looking out at a fabulous blue sky. I've got the the crazy poodle behind me. So uh, life is good, man. No complaints. Love that. You know, we we endured maybe nine months of the podcast of you. <laughs> At your new house in Florida, getting everything fixed up. I mean, we did podcasts while roofers were there putting on a roof, while lawn guys and landscapers were there, while flooring guys were there. All of that just so you could move and do the podcast now from a new location. Well, I like to keep it interesting, you know. Yeah. yeah. Never. Uh, Papa was a rolling stone, and so it's Crumpton, <laughs> apparently. So, yeah, we're, we're in a uh, temporary house uh, here in Greenville, North uh, Greenville, South Carolina. Uh, so really excited to be back in the true Southeast. Um, you know, you, you, you do experiments in life and, and uh, you create a hypothesis. And when the hypothesis says you're a moron, you leave. So <laughs> there you go. That is the essence of the scientific theory, I think, right? Uh, when the hypothesis says you're a moron, then bail. Hey, Einstein would approve of that. All right. That's all I'm saying. I think so. I think so. Uh, luckily, we have someone, I think, smarter and more well-versed on the scientific theory than uh, than we are on the podcast with us today. We're thrilled to be joined by Blair Newsham. He is the president at HSA Mechanical. Blair, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us, sir. Well, thank you for having me. This is uh, quite the pleasure. Well, that's what he says early. We'll, 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 see, we'll see how we track accordingly. Plenty of time to change his mind on that. Yeah, no doubt. So, <laughs> I've, uh, and, and Blair, really uh, appreciate you taking time. And Tyler and I have a good time with this. We've become friends over the, the process. And as you heard, I'm challenging him to come to South Carolina. So we'll see if he if he makes the trek over, over the East way or not. So glad you're here. Um, as you know, you know, this podcast can go down many different rabbit holes and we love rabbit holes because that's where we find out what makes people do what they do or allows them to do what they do or or pushes them so uh you and i met through uh service logic when we were fortunate enough to acquire your awesome company up there in pa and um my first reaction was wow this guy is one of us you know it's like you get it i met your wife i met your crew um, I know of your uh, industry peers from industry groups and what have you, and, and being in the HVAC and arena, as we've talked often, you know, such a small world that we know a lot of the same people. And then when you finally get to meet, uh, it's really cool to kind of pull, pull it all together. So glad to have you and looking forward to a little rabbit hole fun with you. Looking forward to it, Greg. Where are you going to take me today? Well, I was thinking about this earlier uh, in the 47 and a half seconds I had before I had to jump on this from the other Zoom call I was on. And I was just thinking about the commonality of the people that we all know. And in our industry, we struggle with the fact that many people have gray hair and some people have no hair. And, you know, we we do talk a good bit on this show about uh the next generation of worker, the next generation of leader, 
we had this really brilliant lady on not long ago named Nilifer Merchant. I'm not sure if you follow her, but she talks about your uniqueness as she defines it, onlyness and what makes you unique, you know, in your body and therefore in your position in life. And I was thinking about you and you do some pretty cool community involvement stuff uh, up in your in your hometown or in your your town you live in. How does all of that that I just barfed kind of go into how you run your business and how you are socially active uh, from a give back? What what do you think about our next generation of leadership? How do you help them? How do how do we bring more people into our industry? So I think just a lot of talk around future talent and and future people development and how we can how we can at you know mid fifties uh, give back to the industry that has helped both you and I and our and our peers you know have a good life. What do you what do you uh, what do you think about that? Can you make the question any broader? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that I believe it covers the gamut, but um, I mean, you get the gist of it. Like, what are we doing that really will impact our not just our industry because it is what we do, but you know, the next generation is always on my mind. I've I've always felt that uh, we hire we hire the right personalities and we hire the right people with the right moral compass and foundation more so than we hire the technical talent. Not to say that the technical talent isn't important, but if you have a lot of technical talent, but you are not a servant or a servant leader, or you have no empathy uh, in within your soul for uh, the issues that a customer may be going through, you're not going to be very successful in this industry. I think that uh, we need to focus more on being customer driven, being customer focused and um, a little a, a little hypothesis that I came up with many, many years ago, uh, which was called be a hero. Um, have a little hero complex built within you. If you like that feeling of helping others and pleasing others, uh, that's going to take you a long way, not only in this business, but also in life. Um, I mean, I can go back to when I was a very young man. I, I worked in retail for a little while, um, worked in an auto supply store. And an auto supply store is a back in the 1970s was a very uh, sort of unique place. Now they've homogenized them with all of the auto zones and so forth. But these were all small, little privately held companies. Um, usually you work with the owner and a couple of guys and you were doing a combination of serving, uh, retail customers coming in off the street and professional customers that own garages in the town that, uh, the store sat in. So you were used to balancing people that knew what they wanted with people who didn't know what they want. And you were there sitting in the middle, trying to help them understand the issue that they were going through. Um, from there, I went into, uh, you know, facility maintenance, pipe fitting, HVAC, technician, you name it. Um, but one of the things that I think I took from that experience as a really young guy 
was I enjoyed helping people and, you know, being given an assignment to go out and fix this issue, whether it be no heating, no cooling, no hot water, whatever the issue was, to be able to walk in with your bag of tricks and uh, sit down and evaluate the situation, fix it, bring them back on uh, in the middle of the winter, provide them with heat in the middle of summer, provide them with air conditioning. And the customer was just so happy that you were there and you resolved their issue. Um, gave me a little bit of a rush. And I liked that feeling of being a hero. And I think that it's been a long, strange trip from, you know, when I was 20 years old and I jumped into this uh, marketplace. And I mean, my, my journey led me through public utility companies, uh, it led me into executive management, the public utility company, now, all the way full circle back to small business and into owning my own business. So, um, but I never lost sight of that dedication to customer yeah. and dedication to doing the right thing. And I think, I think that's something that we don't talk about enough in this industry in terms of whether or not, you know, who do we want to look for? What are the types of people that we want to seek out and draw into, uh, into our world? Well, that, that's so well said. And, and so it prompted two thoughts. I was just absorbing what you were saying. You, you, you sent an email around a couple of Fridays ago that I was fortunate to be able to read. Uh, but before we get into the content of that message, tell, tell us a little bit about HSA and what makes you guys uh, not only special and talented, but, you know, I, I, the vibe at your office is just good. You know, you go into businesses and, and I'm fortunate to get to visit a lot of different places. I, I have this little spidey sense where I get this really cool vibe or I get a weird vibe and your place is definitely a cool vibe. I love the time I was able to come up and spend with you. What makes you guys unique, Blair? I don't think we're all that unique, but um, I think what we, we have, and we've made a lot of, uh, we've made a lot of mistakes along the way as we tried to find ourselves and figure out what, what worked best for us. Sure. Um, we, um, I think what we've always tried to do, and a little bit of what I talked about earlier, is trying to drive uh, our business to focus on the customer and do what's right for the customer. Uh, we also do try to do the same thing with our employees. And yeah. it's, a, it's a back and forth ping pong game between, you know, do you put the employee first or the customer first? Do you put the customer first, the employee first? And I try to melt that together and say we put them all first. Uh, people, that's people first. People. People first, uh, because without without dedicated, happy employees, you're not going to have dedicated, happy customers and vice versa. So um, maybe that makes us a little bit unique uh, in our approach to that. Um, I think the other thing that has helped through the years, uh, you know, I brought my wife into the business. Oh, probably about um, about eight years ago. And. That was something that we had talked about for several years. She was in HR at Penn State, um, very, very good at what she did. 
but we weren't sure if we wanted to mix our marriage and our business together. So it took us a couple of years to figure that out and hammer out what that would look like. And uh, once we laid the, you know, the, uh, the foundation and the ground rules for that, I think she has done a tremendous job of being my softer side uh, in how we run our business and how we interact with uh, both our staff as well as our customers. Uh, she's very outgoing. Um, she has done a tremendous job of making sure that when she thinks about little things like birthday celebrations in the office, which, you know, as an old HVAC guy, I don't think about it all. I don't, I just don't. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't cross my mind, but it crosses her mind. Yeah. So she fills in the valleys of the areas that I'm lacking. And then of course, I think I help her out in the technical areas that she needs, you know, in her valleys, fill in her valleys. And together, I think we've made a great team. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, it, there, there's just a, a good sense of, of community is how I, I look at it. And I remember speaking of community, I remember reading a piece uh, that I, I don't remember how I got my hands on it, but it was a, a piece, an article written about some really cool work you had done in the community. Um, and you'll have to refresh our memory on it. But I was I, I thought it was good, not just not, not a PR kind of good, but just a good person move to be able to support a nonprofit, if I remember right, and and why you were doing that, I really felt like was really, you know, it, it gave character to your and just reiterated everything I ever thought about you and your company after I read that article. So, tell us a little bit about that effort that that you and that your your area that you operate in is in the valley up there. Uh, if I remember right, so tell us a little bit about that geographic and how businesses that are interacting up there what is that what does that look like locally we are located in allentown pennsylvania uh allentown is part of the greater lehigh valley uh the greater lehigh valley is three major cities or i they're actually they're minor cities but allentown bethlehem and uh easton uh and then we're about 30 miles from reading pennsylvania uh we're sort of in this this crescent of cities that circle outside of Philadelphia. Uh, all of these cities happen to be about 60 miles outside of Philadelphia and surrounded in a ring. Probably a legacy of the old railroad days of yeah. the Pennsylvania Railroad. Um, you know, from the coal reaches down to the smaller cities, down to the large city and the port. Um, it's a very very Pennsylvania Dutch type area. Uh, everybody's familiar with Lancaster as being Pennsylvania Dutch, but that uh, influence uh, is all outside of the city of Philadelphia in this general area. Um, working in an old city, uh, in an old area with a lot of old cities, we have a lot of, um, a lot of benevolent organizations, whether they be churches or they be church affiliated businesses or uh, uh, synagogues or synagogue related. I mean, we work with the, the Jewish Community Center in town. Uh, we take care of a lot of, whether they be nursing homes, residential homes, uh, the children's home of Reading, 
uh, the rescue missions of both in Reading as well as in Allentown. So just because our expertise in our business, I mean, we do commercial service, uh, but this business, when I first acquired it, was primarily a boiler services company. The boiler services industry is not something that all HVAC contractors involve themselves in, but right. that's all this company did. Because of that, you find yourself being drawn into all of these benevolent organizations because a lot of them are in old facilities. A lot of colleges and universities, Lehigh University, Lafayette, uh, Albright, uh, Alvernia, we work in all of those facilities and all of those campuses because of our expertise in boilers, piping, steam, what have you. So as a result of that, um, there are customers. They ask for help. They have fundraisers. They have uh, different events that they have going on during the course of the year. Um, we try to touch and get involved with as many as we can but obviously you can't do that with all customers. So we've tried to choose the, I guess the ones that meant the most to us, yeah. I guess, the good missions. You know, we were very involved with the, uh, the Allentown Rescue Mission a few years ago. I did some, uh, some media work for them. We uh, donated a lot of goods and services to them as well as, as, well as financial support. Uh, we've done the same thing with the Children's Home of Reading. Uh, we we do the same thing down there. We've supported that mission. Uh, that that is a uh, that is a residence home where they take kids out of uh, really bad situations. Yeah, and give them a place to uh, to try to heal and, and nurture them and, and bring them along and change lives. So feels good when you can do that. That's what I felt when I read the piece, because I, I think we as, as, you know, people in general and then uh, businesses in particular, you do get solicited for for a lot of activity and, you know, and, and philanthropic type activity. And having to decide sucks, you know, I mean, it just does. You, you feel passionate or compassionate or whatever you're feeling about a, a topic and you know, it makes you want to help. You know, I think you said it a while ago, that talking about the empathy and how you feel about things in, in your inner being. I, I want to help people. You know, I mean, that's just my, my wife, Connie, and I both are. We, we want to do things for the right reason. And, you know, sometimes it gets a little uh, a little bit weird when you feel like you're only being asked for financial help just because you happen to be on a list, you know, you just like, I don't know. It's just a weird feeling, but when you can find that thing that you really connect with, you know, which obviously you have, um, it is such a rewarding thing and, and not just from a, okay, I get to write this off on taxes, but you're really seeing the product of, you know, years of effort from these uh, groups putting forth money and resources and time and connecting people you get to see it actively in the community. So I, I totally dig that. And, and I commend y'all for, for, for making that happen. Well, thank you. I mean, it does make you feel like you're, you're a part of the community. You're part of the fabric of the community. Well, and 
if you're going to live somewhere, you know, and, and I experienced this recently. I, I, I lived in a place for a year and a half and I never felt connected, you know, and it was just like I was just there on a, on an extended vacation because I never was connected with, with uh, very few groups or people. But I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a networker. I love to get out and help people connect and put A to B and make C better. And uh, I don't know. It's just a good thing to see, um, which, you know, leads me to, to the email that you sent out. And, and it was uh, it was a very uplifting email that you sent to your team. Uh, but it also demonstrated, Blair, how you believe in your people and, and people first and you know, you were talking about customers and, and I was sitting here thinking your customer to you, and, and this is me reading your mind, is not only the people paying the bills, but it's the people generating the bills that get paid. Because if you're not treating your folks internally well, then, you know, you can't perform at a high level externally. But just the, the way you communicate, um, it's not in a patronizing, cheerleading kind of way. It's just like really good stuff. Like you're delivering a message to your people of, of you know, everybody wants a little hope. Uh, we're, we're the, the promise and, and the promises. If, if we keep doing this, we're going to do well. And I don't know, it's just a great message. So is that the type of, uh, of a normal, uh, you know, message that you try to share with the troops or did you have an epiphany at that moment? Or what, what is that like for you when you're communicating success and, and showing the vision of success to your team? What does that look like or sound like or feel like? Well, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I probably have more interaction and communication with my internal team than I do with our customer base anymore. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of really good people that work for us and work in this company. And I stay on top of them to make sure that they're staying on top of our customers. But I'm not necessarily interfacing directly with the customers as much as I did years ago. Uh, sure. I believe now my mission is to um, is to raise the team, uh, the team from top to bottom, whether it's my direct reports or it's their direct reports, or it's the young guy that's 22 years old that's an apprentice that's trying to learn the trade and the industry. I want to lift them up and show them that this, this is a life. This isn't just a job. It's a career. It's a life. Uh, and if you treat yourself well and you treat it well, the business, uh, it will be there for you and it will support you for the rest of your life and give you everything that you're looking for. Now, if you decide that you want to go, uh, you want to go, you know, follow the Grateful Dead, and you know, take off and uh, check out. And if that's what your purpose in life is, then go do it. That's what you should do. But if you if you really love this industry the way that I love this industry and you feel that um, you want to make a career out of it, I want them to feel that this is the best place for them to do that. Um, we, there's a lot of places that you can work. There's a lot of places where you can get a job. 
but there's not many places that make you feel uh, like they really care about you, the person. And that's what we're trying to exhibit. Well, your, your message rings true. Um, I, I'm like you, man. I love, I love the industry, luckily, because it's all, luckily I do love it because it's all I know how to do. Um, <laughs> that's always my fallback, but I don't know. I was talking to our uh, Eric Bowen, the gentleman who's just joined the company. I was talking to him earlier today and, we talk often because Eric Troll is, is training and talent development of our skilled field workers. And, you know, we always talk about retention, uh, um, uh, recruitment, you know, like how do we recruit more people into our industry? And, and that's a big thing that just lays on my frontal lobe, you know, like a headache on the Monday morning after a Super Bowl. But equally important, is that retainment and, and retention of, of your folks that you want to be with you in making your place of business uh, uh, comfortable, uh, making it adaptable so that as people progress along their career, they don't just get stuck, you know, like there, there's nothing in the world more, I don't know, sad is the word that comes to my mind is when I talk to a 48 year old technician who, for whatever reason, whether his own personal lack of ambition or because his company lacked the, the gumption, he didn't have anywhere to go except to get to being a top tech at his company. And here's a guy's 48. So his kids are, you know, getting ready to get out of high school or what have you. And he's kind of looking. I can grab a new gear here, but you got to make sure that the tools have been in place for him to tool up to that day so that when he's at that career path and it's, you know, earlier for some later for some, but a skilled, uh, and when I say guy, I mean, ladies and, and gentlemen, I'm sure. just, I'm saying that, that skilled position, you've got to make sure there's something more. Uh, whether that is figuring out what they want to do, uh, you know, are they the mentor type or, or or what what can they do other than just get there? And then, oh, crap, I'm 50 and I've got 17 more years to do exactly what I'm doing. What a, what a heartbreaking thing to wake up to, you know. So I think it's so important that we we practice and, and put in play. Uh, tools and, and apparatuses for people to have, you know, a continuing path because it is a lifestyle. As you said, it's not a job. You don't, this job sucks if you do it from 7 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. and go home because you're going to get stuck, excuse me, in a hurry because you can't get what you need just by working eight hours a day in the field. There's just too much to it. Um, so I, I love the fact that, that we, uh, you know, that are more seasoned in our, in our careers uh, across the board are really thinking about the Tylers of this world and how can we help them, you know, make sure that they have a long, uh, some longevity that's rewarding and not just, you know, turning pages on a calendar. So I think that's super important. You know, you raise an interesting point, and it's something that we have been talking about internally here for the past several months. 
we are in a growth spurt right now where we're growing exponentially. Uh, I'm also responsible for the National Wilkes-Barre branch up in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Uh, and that group up there is an older group of guys uh, and they do, they have a different customer base than what we have here. Uh, and we're having a lot of conversation about uh, rebranding that area, that division uh, as a division of HSA and trying to expand their customer base up there and uh, make them grow. Um, but one of the challenges to that is just that, getting and attracting good technicians. Right. Uh, we don't seem to have a problem retaining them, but we are um, struggling like everybody else is to bring in and attract new people. So one of the conversations that we've had recently is identifying uh, mid to upper tier techs that work in other organizations where maybe they are stuck. Maybe they are 45 years old and they don't have a path forward uh, other right. than doing what they're doing. And the way that I'm looking at our business, the way we're growing is I have several paths forward for people like that. First and foremost, bring them in for their technical competence. Uh, but beyond that, if they have the horsepower and the desire to grow, uh, we need estimators, we need project managers, we need service managers, field service managers, all of the incremental steps uh, that can build leadership in our organization. We're getting old, buddy. I mean, you know, I'm going to be 66 in a couple of months. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, my time, you know, in this industry is, uh, is, on, the, is on the downhill. So we have to have people who can take our places and run our businesses long after we're gone. So it's critically important that we attract those people and show them a pathway, show them the opportunity that exists. Um, and it even includes, I mean, we're a non-union company, but we've got some union companies in the area. And the guy's a journeyman. He's making good money, but he hates what he does every day. Yep. And he spends half the day high. Well, it's no life. That's not a life. Yeah. You, you know, union or non-union, and, and as you said, our company across the nation have both. I'm, I'm a product of a union organization uh, as a kid, but I also see tremendous uh, value in, in open merit shops because – it really comes down for me is how you treat the, your company uh, and your folks, whether they be internal or your customer. I, I don't care if you're union or not myself, but to, to your point, Blair, I'm reading a book right now. I'll hold it up for you guys to read. It's called Radical Candor um, mm -hmm. by Kim Scott. I don't know if you've read it or not, but this is the revised edition. Um, and it's really cool because she talks about in, in the book and, and pretty darn good detail these how she defines rock stars versus um superstars and every company needs both you know the rock star being that foundational person who is on a slower career trajectory than a superstar would be they're not interested in going from graduate of high of, of 
college to you know CEO in two years. These are the more people on a, on a less of an incline that are just good at grinding out their work and they're happy doing it. But you know, I think it, what what it really me and made me think about is everybody hits these different strides in their life. And when I said that earlier, Blair, about you know the the forty eight year old whose kids are now out of school, who are done with little league and what have you. Now, mom or dad has more time to commit to their career. So maybe their their uh, path, you know, tilts a little more toward vertical. They're ready to, for the next step. Mm-hmm. Just a really good book uh, if, if you have a chance to, to pick up a copy and uh, understand uh, just different sectors, I guess, or different different paths, not not different paths, different timelines within people's uh, careers. Pretty interesting read. So That is very, very interesting. Well, Tyler, when you hear two old guys talking about this, uh, which you've heard a lot, um, <laughs> because that's who I hang out with, unfortunately, a lot, uh, with, a, with a good mix of others. But when you hear us talking about that and what we're trying to, to help foster is that appealing to a gentleman your age? Is that important? I, I keep going back in my mind to, to the very first thing that, that we talked about and, and that Blair was talking about on the podcast today, and that was that idea of understanding and having that empathy side, because I think that really resonates with people that are my age. They want to know, I think more and more often, younger generations want to know what impact is my job going to be able to have? And um, they want that financial security and they want that that career path and all of those sorts of things. But more and more, I think people want to know that they're making a difference in one way or another. And I might be painting with too broad of a brush um, with that statement, but I do think that, that that matters a little bit more to people than than maybe it used to. And so um, I keep coming back to that that aspect of when it comes to what you guys do, emphasizing that um, that need and that ability to be empathetic with people and and understanding the way that you can and you do make a difference in these types of roles and in these types of jobs, I think, is is important. And, and I, I tend to think that a lot of times um, we talk about soft skills, but it's it's hard sometimes to train those things, but I think that they can be learned. I think some people have this idea that that soft skills can't be taught that they're innate, but I, I think that they, they can be no, learned and taught a lot more. And I think that they are really, really important. And so that's maybe the thing I'm most curious about is, um, Greg, I, I would believe that you could teach a technician to be a good technician if they're a smart, competent person. Absolutely. Um, but how do you how do you go about teaching those soft skills and teaching the empathy and the the ways of dealing with people? Um, I'm kind of curious about that because that seems to be the way that a technician would go from being a technician to the next levels of whatever their their career holds, right? So I I, I think that's mentorship is mm-hmm. the the is where you fill in that next gap. Because to your point, Tyler, I I can teach Blair can teach a, a million people can teach competent HVAC. You know, I mean, I can teach you vapor compression in an hour to the point (laughs) you pass a remedial test on it. But I can't teach you uh, to look the customer in the eye or to look Blair in the eye when you're interviewing with him and have a legitimate conversation in an unemotional kind of way, but yet feel empathetic and show sympathy to the situation. You don't have to get mad. You don't have to do anything, but you can 
you know, you're sitting there with your finger bleeding and because you cut it up on the roof and you got it wrapped up with duct tape and a rag, you still have to converse properly and, and tell the customer what the need is and, and do all those things. A lot of that is modeled behavior. It's not just taught behavior. I can't sit there and say, okay, Tyler, when you cut your hand, here's what you go do. Mm-hmm. But if you, and this is why it's so important to connect young people with old people in the industry, in the field, uh, is that modeling behavior. Of, let me clarify that modeling good behavior. There's a lot of behavior we don't want modeled by older <laughs> techs who are disgruntled with the way the industry is going or because the government wants them to get a vaccination. I get all of that. But if we're talking about pure people development, which is what Blair's point is, it's people, it's not customers, it's not employees, but people, what are we doing to help them? And I think mentorship is, is, is so germane into the long-term uh, success. So, Blair, I want to ask you that too, but before I do, Tyler, I want to uh, just bounce back mm-hmm. and ask you a definitive question. If I'm interviewing you or your wife for a position, is it important that I show you the path of where you can be in 20 years? Or is it just enough to get you started and, and let you learn that as you go? What, what's your thought on that? I don't know that you need to specifically lay out a path, but I think you would need to say – um, suggest that there there are paths okay. from here to somewhere else. You know, from here to bigger things, whether it's here, whether it's somewhere else. I think I think that's an important. I think that's an important aspect these days yeah. for sure. I'm I'm really you know constrict uh, or con- conflicted by that thought because if it's too uh, subjective, it may look too onerous to say, okay, here here's a bunch of things you got to get to to be you know at a at a a1 plus plus level but if it's just a a general route and showing advancement and career development and personal mm-hmm. development that's what i'm trying to make sure that i i'm talking to and i've talked to young ladies and talked to young men both about this and making sure that the message that i'm personally delivering is not too broad but it's definitive enough to where okay i get it i can i can move forward i'm not going to be just stuck in one place so right flipping back over to you uh i i just love the fact that we're at a place you're you're 65 i'm 57 you talk about our peers you know all of our peers are talking about this and we just lost a peer uh tyler last week and a, a good friend of ours, Sam DeAngelis, uh, after a, a illness, uh, passed away. And, and Sam was like we are, you know, he was passionate about the industry and, and developing people and fortunate to buy Sam's company up in Denver. Um, but that mentality of, of what we're trying to help and foster, man, I, I just love the, the the energy that's around it right now. So, um Blair, you you know, uh, again, I can't believe it. I just looked at the clock. I'm like, holy crap! Um, but what what do you, what's your parting nuggets, Blair? What would you give us as far as uh, some words of wisdom to those who are trying to sell the future and bring more people with us? Uh, run a company based on people. Uh, 
giving back servant mentality. What's your nugget to wrap us up with? Because you you've been dropping some nice ones today, so I know you got <laughs> one more on deck. Wow, that's uh, thanks. You're you're starting out, or you're ending just as broadly as you started. Um, that, that's my design, man. <laughs> uh, I think it all goes back to um, we have not done a good enough job in this marketplace, uh, or I should say in the trades in general, of promoting the trades as a great career, not an alternate career, just a great career, a great place to be, a great way to spend your life. And it doesn't matter if you are a cabinet maker, an electrician, or an HVAC guy, you can make a very good living and uh, work with some fun people and some fun customers and be satisfied at the end of the day when you go home and lay your head on your pillow that yeah, I did some good work today. I'm pretty happy with what I did and I'm pretty happy in the career path that I've chosen. Uh, we got to do better uh, in that regard because I think the trades get, you know, with this, Let's just say that the uh, the education lobby has been very, very good at promoting college as the only path to success. And without that, you're going to be a failure and you're going to end up a plumber. Hmm. Well, there's nothing wrong with being a goddamn plumber. That's for sure. Uh, I know a lot of very happy plumbers that have houses at the beach and have had very successful careers uh, taking care of all of those people who can't unclog their own toilet or can't replace a faucet in their kitchen. So I think we need to do a better job with the trades of promoting them as a primary vocation, not as a secondary vocation. Well said, sir. I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of that, that very mission. Um, And I think we're getting better. I really do. I, I see more and more energy around it. So we just, you know, Hopefully you and I will be at the beach watching all this uh, <laughs> as the, the second phase kicks in of what we're we're trying to get going. But uh, I know there's a lot of people out there working towards what you and I both are talking about. And I really appreciate each and each and every one of those. So thank you. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, your bride, Adrian. Tell her we said hello and thanks for all she does for the, the, the business as well as just uh, keeping HSA in, the, in such a, a cool light up there. I know she's really important up there to you guys. So well, I certainly will. Appreciate that. All right, Tyler, this is where you – this is my – I mean, it's weird to say, but I love your part of this, how you kind of put a nice big bow on this puppy. It's like a – it's like a Lexus commercial at Christmas. <laughs> There's uh, no pressure involved in that whatsoever. No, but no, no I, 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 I do appreciate that. And another great episode coming uh, to an end now. Greg, we do have future episodes. I mean, we're booked through like April now. I was seeing calendar invites coming through for like April, May. We're, we're really loading up on these things. Well, you know, I, I like to think it's because of, of our uh, strong content, but it's just because I know a lot of people. So, uh, you know, I'm going to go with strong content, though. And Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, 20, and- 26 million users and growing. I mean, come on. 
look and and knowing a lot of people is kind of the point of the podcast anyways so <laughs> good point good point you know that's that's what this is all about well everyone uh stay tuned for upcoming episodes of straight out of crumpton we have more exciting conversations with people in the hvac industry outside the hvac industry learning more about how relationships impact our business lives as well as our personal lives um just really great conversations with amazing people. So you want to make sure to catch all of those episodes. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, or head to gregcrumpton.com to stay up to date with the latest episodes. Stay tuned. We'll be back very soon with those episodes. But for Greg Crumpton, I'm Tyler Kern. We'll talk to you again soon.